anniversary of the Selma to Montgomery marches. We have civil rights activist guest Hank Sanders, who served as the first senator from the Black Belt. His wife, the first female black judge in Alabama, both Harvard-educated, both lawyers, started the first largest black law firm in the country. They are mentors to our youth and the world. They head up the National Voting Rights Museum and, along with the Center for Nonviolence, Truth, and Reconciliation with Dr. Bernard Lafayette, they have a host of events for the Bloody Sunday marches and what they call Jubilee. We talk today in this interview about what Hank sees economically and educationally for the future, how to preserve the memories of the 65 marches and take that education of nonviolence into the future, as well as what he sees economically, the rebuilding of Selma. This is an awesome interview. Hank and I are coming at you right now. The Jubilee in Selma this year, um, you give our, the Jubilee every year. What year is this for the Jubilee? It's the 28th year for the wow. Jubilee. <laughs> The 28th year for the Jubilee. Now, tell us about the uh, the reason for this. We know it's historical, but it's a little bit more than just for history's sake. Yes, we um, we have been celebrating the struggle for right to vote. I know since 1973, um, and um, every five years, people would walk all the way uh, again from Selma to Montgomery. And they started the first one in 1975. And uh, and so some of us would still go there uh, to the bridge on Bloody Sunday. And eventually, um, Bloody Sunday grew into... Uh, 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 recreating the march was a pretty big affair. <laughs> and so in, in, 19, in 1993, um, we decided <laughs> that uh, actually five-year-olds, Teray, my wife, <laughs> she said, we need to have a festival on Saturday. Um, it's not enough just to have um, uh, the, the, the Bloody Sunday March on Sunday 
and, and then a few churches having something on Sunday morning. And so it, 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 was, a, it was a festival that first year, and only about 200 people showed up. And then mm-hmm. it began to grow. And when Clinton came um, in 2000, it was uh, got up to like 25 or 30,000. Every year we have tens of thousands of people. And in 2015, uh, n- nearly 100,000 showed up on that Saturday. And on that Sunday, over 100,000. So it has grown to be a tremendous thing. And the thing about it is that since it celebrates the struggle for the right to vote, uh, people across the spectrum come. Uh, we, Whatever side of the political spectrum is on, voting is important. So uh, it's the one, uh, one event from where, where people on all sides of the political structure, I mean the political um, line, all, all the sides of the uh, economic uh, line, all of the sides of gender and everything. And so it's a very powerful uh, event every single year. And I, I mentioned that we started out, you had the two events, Bloody Sunday, and, and, and then you had um, uh, the, the festival. Now it's usually between 40 and 50 uh, events uh, going on uh, at, at the thing. And most of those are free, um, only a few are not free. Now, Bloody Sunday, the Jimmy Lee Jackson story, and many others who, um, you know, had to die really for the right to vote. You know, as we get farther and farther from that history, millennials like my generation and others, we don't. We only read about this. We don't uh, really get a lot of the educational in the schools. So with what you guys are doing, um, with your Jubilee, you have nonviolent training. You teach what that is supposed to be. How vital is that for future generations to really know um, what methods were used during that time to bring about the civil rights we have today and we're still fighting for? Uh, nonviolence approach is... is can be a philosophical approach. It can be a tactical approach, and maybe both. Um, uh, for many people, it was a philosophical approach, something that they believed deeply in. And for others, it was a, tack- a tactical approach, a strategy approach, because you had to bring attention um, to these serious wrongs. Um, without getting people killed uh, in the moment. And so, um, and one of the things that we believe now is the same nonviolent approach that worked back in um, the the, the 50s and 60s can now be employed in, 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 um, uh, African American neighborhoods where people uh, are sometimes killing each other. So it's important for us to to really understand the power uh, of nonviolence. 
and to be able to employ it uh, in a range of situations that exist today that may not have existed back then. It's not just a matter for protest. It's a matter for survival. Usually when a, a city is built near a waterway, you know, Edmund Pettus Bridge and others, there's great economic growth. What do you see for Selma in that direction? Because I believe that no politics can really work without the economics. Uh, if you look at the history of um, not only um, Pullman Porters and others that help to, you know, have blacks to send money to the civil rights struggle in the 40s and 50s, and 60s, you had black businesses, you had segregation back then, and you had um, Motown and others who were sending money to the struggle for the marchers and the people who would have to stay in hotels, whatever, buses. What do you see for Selma now in terms of economics? Well, Selma, uh, one of the greatest disappointments for me and also from my wife, five-year-olds to Ray, is because when we came here in 1971, uh, we hoped to stay just five years, and then we could go on. We thought we would have helped to implement the Voting Rights Act. We hoped that we'd been on the way to electing black elected officials. We hoped that we'd been on the way uh, to... Um, substantial economic development. And all of those things were much harder than we realized. Um, and, and, and that's because even if you had the most voters, um, the other side would have the most economics, and they could use that economics uh, to sway voters. They could use that economics to divide and conquer. And we we have to find a way uh, to develop a lot more economics. Um, I'm, I'm encouraging people to develop um, more of the tourist business. Lots of folks come to the Selma because of uh, to see the bridge, to walk across the bridge, or, or to see others, but they come and leave the same day. We have to develop some things where uh, they will stay uh, two and three days um, in Selma. But the economic situation is greatly challenging, and we have to find a way um, to be able to do that. And, 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 and essentially, the economic system is almost 100% controlled by, by white. And, um, and very few blacks have a... Uh, an impact uh, on uh, the, the the economic situations in terms of bringing in business, in terms of uh, sustaining business, in terms of creating business, you know, other than mom and, and pop kind of thing. So that's the great challenge before us because economics not only affects um uh, getting a, a good job or, or having some resources, it also affects the violence because when when the, when the jobs are more plentiful, the the the, the violence go down. 
um, when jobs are more plentiful, uh, people interact different and get along different. So uh, it's, it's just it's critical, and it has not um, worked the way we had hoped and prayed for. Dr. King, a couple of his last speeches, talked about economics. Um, he talked about not only um, blacks being able to control and have the economics, but the importance thereof. Why don't you think that's taught in schools? Because if you look at not only Bloody Sunday, you look at um, the bus boycott, that's all about economics. All of it's about economics, but it's never taught in the school system. It's only taught from a nonviolent point of view, and um, that's it. Well, even that is generally not taught in school. Uh, schools are still carried, controlled by the state of Alabama. Um, you have local school boards, but they are not fully in control because uh, the uh, curriculum is generally handed down uh, from top down, and 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 so um, and, and so economics in 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 that sense are not taught. Nonviolence in that sense. Is not taught, so um, that's a critical institution because it touches nearly every household. Even if you don't have children, it affects other children that you know uh, that's in the community. So it's critical that we begin to um, teach economics, but then um, you, you have to find a way to do it. That's um, that's going to be uh, uh, acceptable, for lack of a better word, uh, to those at the top of the education spectrum, those in in Montgomery, um, the, the state board of education, the state um, superintendent of education, um, th- those kinds of things where questions, uh, where issues of, of 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 curriculum are decided. So, um, I, is it I possible believe, to be taught I believe, schools? I, be, I believe profoundly that if we could teach, had a rich curriculum um, that infused uh, black history, I believe test scores would go up. I believe that class disruptions would go down. I believe that violence would go down. Uh, because it's so important that people uh, n- not only understand where they are, but understand where they have come from and therefore understand where they can go. Is it possible that, that education can also be taught um, in private and or churches, as private schools, charter schools? Because I'll just play devil's advocate. It's not going to be taught in public schools. What about educating our own with four institutions that blacks control? Well, uh, I, 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 I certainly agree. Now, most children these days do not go to church, so it's not going to touch people on a broad level uh, like public school. Um that's why I feel we have to find a way to get it in public school because it will touch the most people and have the most benefit. 
But um, that's because it wasn't being taught in public school. That's why Thayer Rose and I and some others started the National Voting Rights Museum so we could uh, reach out and touch that. That's why we started what was um, initially called a slavery museum and now called the Ancient Africa and Enslavement Museum. So we've been working to build uh, institutions that reach out and 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 touch um, and, and 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 teach that kind of history. But now the Jews started out with a with a great advantage because their history and their religion are tied together. The the moment you studying um, Jewish history. You also, I mean, Jewish religion, you also studying Jewish history. Our history, to a large degree, has been separated uh, from, our, uh, from our history. And the whole society, the whole society actually conspires to try to keep black people from knowing their own history. Uh, because when you know your own history, you're stronger. Uh, it's, it's like the roots. Um, history is the roots. It, it goes beyond the culture. It goes back, and it, it studies you against winds of adversity, and, and particularly the, the winds of white supremacy. Now, marching the bridge, people did their lives. The, the, the march across the bridge, the first initial ones, did not go well. It was met with violence. Today we have the ceremony of people crossing the bridge, but then we have people there for other agendas other than really respecting and honoring the people that uh, uh, lost their lives and the real meaning of crossing that bridge. What do you have uh, to say about all the political and other things that will be going on during the Jubilee that really have nothing to do with the commemoration of what the march is supposed to mean in the first place? Well, at the march across the bridge, Bloody Sunday, in the Selma to Montgomery March, they were about the right to vote. And the right to vote touches every single aspect of our lives. So there's nothing, to me, inconsistent about a range of, of, of activities because the right to vote is still under assault. Uh, it's right. the right to vote of black people is still being uh, being oppressed. And since it touched every aspect of our lives, I, I don't have a problem with it. Now, one, one of the challenges, uh, Edmund Pettus, who, who the bridge is named after, he was a grand dragon in Alabama of the Ku Klux mm -hmm. Klan. And, right. and, of course, we tried to – I passed a resolution – renaming it in the Senate of Alabama, but then um, there were uh, certain black people who uh, who fought against it, and uh, one of them was John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis. He opposed uh, the name. Uh, Congresswoman Tara Sewell, she opposed changing the name. Uh, the, the, the mayor, now the mayor of Selma, um, opposed the changing of the name, so we 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 
we don't understand the power of symbols. By we, I mean black right. people. We don't understand the power of symbols because symbols, they get into our minds, our spirits, our heart without being screened. If I say something to you that's bad, you 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 immediately say, oh, oh, that don't make any sense. But if I sing that's it right. to you, you don't react the same way. You don't screen it the same way. And if you just see it, then you don't screen it at all. And so we we we, we have a, a white supremacy culture that keeps coming at us all the time in all kind of ways, including symbols. That's why you right. have in Montgomery the uh, a school named after Jefferson Davis. That's why where nearly all black children attend. That's why you can have a school named Robert E. Lee in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, uh, uh, that nearly all black children attend. So the the challenges are great because white supremacy is just so pervasive. It comes at you in every manner, in everything, um, from voting to economics uh, to education, and it's one hell of a fight. Those symbols. I'm glad you're you're mentioning the symbols, names, and others that we've been taught. And and subconsciously, some of us are conscious, like you are, but, you know, we just don't know that. The the children that attend these schools don't know that. They don't know that the Rosa Parks statue is near a slave auction, (laughs) you know, and the one in Montgomery. They don't know that. And I think that's vital. But I still believe that there's got to be some way that the black community, whether it be through fraternities, sororities, whatever, outside of the public schools or in addition to public schools can help to teach history because most of that history is based on just Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. They don't go back and, you know, really talk about Garvey. They don't talk about the first civil rights workers that were killed in Florida. They don't talk about these things. And as time goes by, we lose it. So I'm, I'm glad we have a center like yours. Now, with the great opportunities people have this week, not only to go to the seminars of Dr. Lafayette and also some of the things that are going on in the various centers and churches uh, beyond Selma and its economic growth, what do you see for Selma in, say, five to seven years? Um, It is critical that we uh, that we um, uh, first I, let, let me just say all of us in this country have some white supremacy in us uh, I, and I'm talking about black folks as well as white folks the first thing we have to do is recognize that we have it in us and then so we can address it in ourselves it's hard for us to address it in others if if we don't uh, recognize it and address it um, uh, in ourselves. And so I don't know what we can expect from Selma in the next five to seven years. I, I, I know we're gonna have. I know the odds are great against us, but the odds have always been great against us. So we have to find a way 
to be able to address that on the economic level, to be able to address it on the economic level, to be able to address it on community level, to be able to address it in every arena. And so everybody can do something, and I think that's the message we have to have. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an elected leader. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be anything. You can begin to address it where you are. And it says a a people without a vision is a defeated a defeated people. And so we have to set forth this vision and, and and try to get people involved, and no matter how great the odds are. That's one of the wonderful things about um, what happened on Bloody Sunday. That was a situation where um, uh, one, one, one side had everything. They had all of the guns and gunmen. They had all of the businesses and jobs. They had all of the banks and money. They had all of the newspapers and that. They had all of the voters. They had all the elected officials. And the other side had almost nothing. And and yet, um, black folks were creative. So they, we took marching feet. We took singing songs. And, and we took praying prayers and was able to forge a great victory and get the right to vote. We have to use that same creativity as we go forth um, in the economic arena, the education arena, in the community arena, in the religion arena, in each and every arena. Do you believe that Selma will be able to uh, attract more black businesses in the future going forward? Because that's going to be vital for everything that you've just talked about. Um, the African American businesses. Well, I, my my strong feeling is we can't wait for business to come in from the outside. My strong yeah. feeling is that we have to uh, find ways to develop those business right here uh, uh, on the inside, and 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 that's not easy because if it was easy, somebody else would be doing. <laughs> It's hard. Right. So uh, that has to be the, the, the direction of our thing because when business come in from outside, they bring their own culture. They bring their own values. They bring their own priorities. So um, we have to find a way to defend all of these things right here uh, in Selma from the inside out. With the culture, though. We're talking about um, the A.G. Gastons and now the Greg Calhouns, many people who have really excelled in business. Has Selma reached out to some of the people around to see how it's being done in other cities? So not not that you can replicate, but that you can not necessarily reinvent the wheel, but take what has worked and mix it with some things that are new. Because there's great innovation everywhere. And you just, um, you know, if you're able to, to come in together with a, a coalition of people, bring people in to invest, um, has, has Selma started to, to look into that? 
Well, there, there are people who talk about it. There are people who meet and discuss it. Um, there are people who, who want it. Um, but it, it, it's a it's a massive thing. I, when we started our law firm, um, I started by myself, and then my wife joined me in, in, in a few months, and then J.R. Chestnut joined us in another few months, our law firm got up to be where it hired a total of 39 people. But there were always forces trying to destroy it. And you have mm-hmm. those, and you have it even more in a place the size of Selma. You know, we have about 18,000. There was a time when it was 28,000, but it just dropped down uh, precipitously, and 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 when when you're in a relatively small town, the attacks can be far more forced, and and there's a strong sense that uh, in, in some quarters that they don't want black folks to succeed. They don't want black folks to succeed with businesses. So uh, the obstacles are great, but there are people who are fighting every day. And um, we're going to keep fighting and until we can't fight no more. And then we're going to get up and fight some more anyhow. Amen. Amen. This has been great. I um, look forward to attending the uh, the breakout sessions and other, other events going on before the march. And, you know, we have touched on your law firm having been the in is the biggest law firm I believe in the country. Let's it was it, it, it was the biggest um mm-hmm. black law firm in the state and one of the biggest in the country. Mm-hmm. But whenever they eventually went after us, we went from thirty nine people down to two at one time. I mean that's um, the attacks were relentless coming from all directions because we would stand up and, and we still stand up. Um, but, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the obstacles because we have always had great obstacles to overcome uh, in this country. And we keep finding ways to overcome obstacles. And new obstacles get created, so we have to find ways to overcome them. And 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 I believe we can do that in the economic arena. I believe we can do it in the education arena. I believe we can do it in the community arena. I believe we can do it in the religious arena. I, I believe that we can do it in every arena, and we just have to keep fighting until others join us and we get a little bigger. And then just keep fighting, and and until we can overcome some of these obstacles. Um, when when I, I at the 1965 uh, Selma to Montgomery march in Montgomery, I was a student at Talladega College, so some of us drove down uh, from Mon, from um, Talladega, uh, which is 80 miles, to Montgomery and join the last leg of the march. And uh, and I remember Dr. King saying, um, how long, and 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 then the, the crowd eventually, he'd say, how long, he'd say, not long. 
And after a while, he'd say, how long? And the crowd would say, not long. I left there thinking that it wouldn't be long. And then the Voting Rights Act passed in 1965. I was sure it wouldn't be out long. But I came back to Lowndes, came to Lowndes County in 1966, a county that was 80% black, and there was a whole slate of black people running. We didn't elect a single one. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't understand all of the obstacles that was placed in, 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 in the path to voting, even though you had a law in it. I didn't understand all of the obstacles that were placed in the front of those who were trying to build economies and stuff. So, um, so we came to Selma to stay five years, and, um, and now it's been 48 years, and I'm still working 14 to 16 hour days. We are still fighting on all fronts because there's so much to fight. One last question. We, every 20, 25 years, have to renew this voting rights bill. And there's been a lot of talk, blacks and whites. Why are we doing this? This is crazy. Do you ever feel that there will be a time when that part will end? You know, because it's it's just gotten 25 years plus 25 years plus another 25 years. The 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 Voting Rights Act gives us the right to vote, and then we got the right to vote 100 years before that. Why do you think they keep doing this to us? Well, um, you don't have to renew the Voting Rights Act. It's Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. And in 2013, the U.S. Supreme Court gutted Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act. So we don't even have Section 5 now. That was the preclearance thing, uh, which meant that any time there was an effort uh, to change some laws to make it more difficult to vote, they first had to be cleared by the U.S. Justice Department. We don't have that anymore. And so more laws are springing up all the way to try to stop that. Um, but we we have to we have to vote in spite of suppression. We have to vote in spite of these blocks. We have to vote uh, no matter what the situation is. And I and I, I really believe that the year two thousand and twenty, which is this year, this is an opportunity for us to strike a, a mighty blow um, uh, in, 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 in removing some of these obstacles and these portrayals of, of white supremacy. Thank you so much for being with us. Any parting words and what you would like some of our activists to be looking for this week as we go into remembering the events that happened during Bloody Sunday and beyond? Well, the Bridge Crossing Jubilee is about a lot of things. It's about history, but it's also about the present, and it's about the future. And my mama would always say, you got to take what you have and make what you need. So we're going to have to take what we have and make what we need uh, here in Selma, here in the Black Belt, here in Alabama, across the South and across the country. If it was easy, somebody else would be doing it. It's hard because it's supposed to be hard. 
but we're going to have to find a way to take what we have and make what we need. Again, I'd like to thank you for being on. This is vitally important to our listeners because I try to bring and highlight these types of events, not just for Black History Month, but all year. (laughs) And we want to thank you for the work you do in trying to inform people about some vital issues. Thank you.